Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Random Encounter 238 or 238. My name is John O'Logan, and I am your host today. And every, well, not every day, every second Monday, uh, maybe maybe more than that if you listen to uh, episodes of Retro and Rhythm that I'm on. But I'm your host today, and that's what matters. Um, just, uh, I hope everyone's doing good. I just finished recording what I have to say is the most, uh, actually, this is going to be appropriate for this episode, the most chaotic podcast I've ever been on. It's ab- It was absolute madness. It was crazy fun. I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, it'll be coming out in just a few weeks. Uh, we've been teasing it on Rhythm for a while, but yeah, it is, it's, it's nuts. Um, so yeah, you're going to want to, you're going to want to listen to that. Um, in other news, I just finished Horizon Forbidden West uh, a couple of days ago. I friggin' loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, I didn't 100% it because it is a massive game, and also I found the horse racing mechanics to not quite be my taste. But yeah, if you're looking for a good old-fashioned open-world game, I highly recommend Horizon Forbidden West. I would not recommend you play it first. Play Horizon Zero Dawn first, obviously. It's the sequel. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a good open-world game and a good RPG, it's pretty darn good. But uh, I'm not the only person who's played some games on here. We have three other people on this episode who are ready to share their thoughts on some games that uh, very recent recently came out, and uh, two of whom are making their very first appearance on an RPG Fab podcast, which is kind of awesome. So I'd like to introduce you to Izzy Parsons. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. I'm here to kill chaos. Ah, yes, as are we all. Um, are you an are you an angry was frig what was it what was the character supposed an angry angry a story of an angry person or something uh well we'll get to that <laughs> are, are you an angry person is he i am not but neither is jack oh good that's that's not what i expected uh also with us is des miller hello hello and making our, our returning champion for this week is nikki Fukori. hello um how's everyone doing this fine fine day it is 19 degrees here in toronto today and that's crazy degrees 19 degrees celsius yes the real temperature the real temperature yes how is it how is it where everyone else is is it warm is it cold is it winter is it summer is it spring dreary dreary ah yeah it's a little warm it's getting there that's nice i'm located in the uh, pacific northwest so it's also dreary which is pretty much par for the course i was wearing a t-shirt so i i, I had a great day <laughs> well the weather is one thing but uh frankly speaking okay this is going to be a real rough transition the weather in march you know it, it's jumping all over the place it's snowing on the weekend this weekend but it's really nice and warm today it's pure chaos um, and we can take that and run into Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, Izzy, you uh, reviewed this game for us. This, I, I, It's hard to... I'm, I'm trying to think of a game this massive that received this level of scrutiny going into it. Just out of curiosity, how much chaos is in this game? Oh, a lot. In pretty much every way you can think of. Okay, how many angry men are in this game? You know, you could say... Lots, but you could also say none because Jack is very clear that he's not mad. It's just how he is. Okay, uh, and are there any uh, are there any limp biscuits anywhere in the narrative? <laughs> there is a song of which people have related to the sound of limp biscuit. Um, it is very brief. Yes, and many characters, I understand it, they go their way. Yes. With all that out of the way, there is so much baggage with this game. It's ridiculous. How is it? So. Uh, more important than anything else. It's very, very fun. Uh, at least for me. Um, some of the best action combat I've ever played, probably. So there's that. 
there is so much to unpack with it. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it does seem like that kind of game. It's not just the baggage that it's taking with it in terms of the memes and the original launch uh, trailer and stuff like that. Um, it's also a prequel to the original Final Fantasy, right? So it's a... Uh, there will be spoilers to anyone listening. So, yeah. <laughs> it is a prequel. It is a reimagining. It's a little bit of both. Uh, okay. So it's like the Star Trek discovery of Final Fantasy. That's a good comparison. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if you watch it. Um, <laughs> the reason why I say that is uh, Discovery took place before the original series, but it had a updated visual design and it looked very, very modern as we would expect uh, science fiction to look today. And that's kind of what I think when I look at Final Fantasy Origin, it's like it takes place before the first Final Fantasy, but it looks like a modern game with like modern sensibilities and design. I mean, sort of, but it also kind of looks like when you were 13 and you were really edgy and you were playing a 2D Final Fantasy and then like what was going on in your head versus what was on the screen. That's kind of what it is to me. When I was 13, I was dressed in a sailor suit playing one of the kids from The Sound of Music. So I don't quite know what you mean by being edgy when I was 13. Fair. Uh, maybe it's just me, but... No, it's it's a hot topic thing. I yeah. got you. I got you. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy, it was released for the Nintendo system. It obviously did not have the most robust story in the universe uh, for obvious reasons. It was a... It was a first-generation uh, 8-bit RPG. Um, as this game is a prequel, uh, this game what does this game do to deepen that original narrative? Um, and uh, I, guess, I guess make Final Fantasy, in retrospect, a much more interesting story. So, I, I mean, it does do some things to deepen it. So it gives you context for who Garland was, who Chaos is, um, how he came to be. It gives you that backstory. Um, but it also kind of, there are things that just don't fit with the original game. So it recontextualizes things, but it also kind of retcons some of them. Um, Soft reboot. Yeah, I, I would say as much. Though I do think it'll be interesting to go play, go back and play the original Final Fantasy with that context in mind. I kind of hope like a fan mods in like Jack dialogue for Chaos and Garland. It'd be a <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> but yeah, I... I would say it gives a lot of interesting context. And I mean, if you end up really liking Jack and his friends like I do, then it's going to might be hard to go and kill him in the original game. I'll see. I'll find out because I'm definitely gonna have to replay it now. Yeah, it's been a while since I played the replayed the original Final Fantasy. Uh, I remember enjoying it very much, despite the fact it's, you know, there's some very old mechanics in the game. Um, but this is not that. This is not a turn-based RPG. This is not a slow uh open world with a with a like walking around the map kind of thing this game is a much more linear than that as i understand it right oh 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 it's one of the most linear games i've ever played probably Hmm. Uh, um and that's not necessarily a knock against it because it works for what it is but it does there is something to me i'm a little bit sad that i don't get to explore that world in 3d that is a little weird i mean that's even in recent final fantasies the open world has been a uh feature of it i know this is a spin-off but that they went this linear with it like you mentioned in the review that uh it's made up of linear missions that you choose from a world menu uh, a 
like a world map, which is yeah. a very interesting, a different way to go about it. It's it's basically tearing directly out of Neo too, which makes sense. Even even the side missions, which you can choose from that world map, are very much like Neo two in that they're like, oh, start at the end of the level or start in this random location in the level and do something slightly different than you did with some different enemies kind of thing, which is basically all the Neo 2 side missions. Hmm. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because you mentioned that you absolutely loved the combat, and obviously uh, the combat in this game was inspired by Neo and a few other games. So what what was the combat inspired by, and how does it work? So I would say the combat, you know, Neo is inspired by the Souls games, of course. Yeah. Um, but I always felt, especially with Neo 2, that there was a bit more of a character action DNA shoved into the battle system. It has that um like focus on changing up mid combo and like using directional inputs to change how you're attacking and things like that um so stranger of paradise definitely continues with that feeling with that um feeling a bit like a character action game despite the fact that you can't jump which is to me a very important part of that genre but that's interesting um so i would say there's definitely some neo dna some character action dna which is kind of from neo still the kind of souls dna but it's much further away from souls than neo was uh so yeah i that's what i would say in comparison there's not really anything other than um like the themes and the creatures and the spells and stuff there you're there's no final fantasy game that i can think of that plays like this the closest maybe is lightning returns um but even that's not really comparable so i guess i i'll get into how it actually plays yeah arguably uh modern day final fantasy games are action rpgs with uh turn-based elements to it rather than pure turn-based obviously so this game doesn't really go over the turn-based style at all right so like final fantasy 7 remake to me feels like you're basically making an action game that is also an atb game it's it's fusing those things and it works really well well stranger of paradise is completely an action game there's you can't like command your allies uh, you can't control them there's no like it's not a menu system it's button based there's no command system um so i mean the closest to commanding your allies is you can you can press on the d-pad to tell one of them to go all out basically and then they just start destroying things which is fun too (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh as far as actual gameplay goes it you know it's very similar to Neo, you are you control one character, um, you attack with the trigger buttons. So R1 is your normal attacks, R2 uses action abilities, um, which get so action abilities come from your jobs, which is really the big thing that sets this game apart, I think, from any other action game I can think of, and from Neo as well, is a very robust and interesting job system. Hmm. So there's 27 jobs in the game. Um Actually, twenty-eight. There's a an additional one you can unlock when you finish the game. Out of curiosity, then, well, let's let's uh, let's talk about that. Have you played Final Fantasy V? I have. I love it. I would argue that most Final Fantasy job systems are, and actually, most job systems in games period nowadays are usually based around Final Fantasy V. Uh, are there similarities here? Like, does it pull from the Final Fantasy V job system ideas, or is, does it do something completely its own? Well, I I would say it's there is a similarity in that. Well, for one, it's most of the jobs are classic final fantasy jobs um you know you have your black mage your red mage your please paladin. tell me there's a dancer job where he dresses up exactly like bart's in the in the in the high neck shirt that'd be amazing i wish there is no dancer job which is Ooh. disappointing for sure um there's not even a bard but uh so yeah there's that classic 
Final Fantasy jobs, but there's also the fact that your job level is separate from your level, which it, we'll get into that. The, your level is more based on your equipment than you don't have a character level, but jobs level up individually. So you're getting job experience points, basically. Mm. Um, and then each job can be go from a rank of one to 30. Uh, and every time you rank it up, you get a job point. You can spend those job points to unlock nodes in a job tree, uh, which is where you get most of your cool stuff you can do. Okay. Um, much like Final Fantasy V, can you mix and match jobs? Or once you go in, are you locked into that one job uh, if you want those skills? Right. So there's a couple things about this. So one, you always have two jobs equipped. So you can instantly switch with a press of a button between the two jobs that you have equipped. Mm -hmm. And then you can also change your, you can set up presets and change your jobs at save points and on the world map. So you can, you can change those up pretty often. But uh, one of the interesting things about the jobs in this game is they unlock weapon-based action abilities. So each job can equip certain weapons. So the basic so the basic jobs are assigned like one of each of the different types of weapons in the game. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you unlock advanced and expert jobs, which you unlock through take, getting certain nodes in the job tree for the lower tier jobs. So like to unlock a the thief, you need to... Um, sorry, to unlock... Yeah, is it the thief? Yes, thief. So there's a duelist as the basic job. And basically to unlock the thief, you have to get to the bottom of the duelist skill tree or the job tree. Um, and then you unlock the thief, which has its own tree. Um, and then the thief can equip, I think, both daggers and fist weapons. Oh, so okay. like, as you get to higher tier jobs, they can equip a bigger variety of weapons. And then what's really interesting about that is the... So when you... One of the main forms of customization is you create like these weapon combinations. So when I press R1 twice and then press R2, which action ability happens kind of thing. And those action abilities carry between jobs. So if you unlock every action ability across a job that uses daggers, then you have access to all those action abilities when you're setting up your combos, no matter which dagger wielding job you're using. Okay, that makes sense. And you mentioned before that uh, rather than you having character levels, your equipment basically have levels. Right. So it's like the Neo kind of loot. There's just a ton of loot. You're getting loot all the time. I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest, but <laughs> you're getting loot all the time. Each piece of loot has a level attached to it. And your level is basically the average of all your equipment. Um, and then uh, different missions have a different recommended level. And you're basically trying to hit that with your equipment. But there is something to be said for the fact that some of the equipment, especially or weapons specifically, can give you unique action abilities that only that weapon gives you. And those can be really cool. Some of them are like better than anything you'll get from a job. So then you th you're you're like balancing. Do I keep this weapon and keep these this cool action ability, or do I want to just be stronger? And you'll eventually get to the point where you're like, I'm too weak right now. I need to upgrade this weapon. I'm gonna miss you, attack. But yeah, you're just like, oh, time to retire, you old friend. Right. Well, aside from the uh, combat, which you very much fell in love with, it sounds, uh, and many other aspects of the game, I right. wanted to ask you two things. One uh, about the music, which. Uh, you mentioned in the review, you mentioned the music briefly and you say that uh, it does pull from some Final Fantasy, uh, past Final Fantasy titles. Um, how's the music in general? What's it like? Because I mean, music, Final Fantasy, that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, as you mentioned, like every dungeon in the game is based on a past Final Fantasy game. So, literally, there's 15 dungeons other than some specific. So, like Cornelia and the final dungeon are separate, but. 
there's 15 dungeons in the game and each one is based on a location from one of the 15 mainline final fantasy games Hmm. uh and when you're in that dungeon the music is based on that game so you'll hear remix sounds from that game it'll change as you go through the level and there'll be like it's almost like a medley sometimes of songs from that game um though i think it's often just like based on a single song but it brings in other motifs and stuff yeah. uh which I, I have no complaints about it's great <laughs> it's wonderful i hum along to the music i'm happy with the music there's never a time when i want to be listening to something else other than the game <laughs> so uh, I like you said, Final Fantasy is known for music. Final Fantasy has amazing music, and I don't think that Stranger of Paradise has any problems meeting that goal of having amazing music. It also pulls in pop music uh, from our world, which is an unexpected <laughs> twist. Um, right, Limp Bizkit and uh, Frank Sinatra are certainly two artists <laughs> who I would not expect to have been side by side. Uh, are those the only two in the game? No spoilers, so, really. But is there other pop music in the game that plays a part? So there's no other. Um, pop music uh my way is the only real pop music the song that people call the limp biscuit song isn't actually limp biscuit i think it's actually by the sound team and it's just some random thing and it's like in there for five seconds but okay it actually to me sounds more like like i don't know uh lincoln park or even corn than limp biscuit but <laughs> okay so at no point does like someone whip out an ipod and start playing like hey jude to calm him down or something like that no uh jack whips out his ipod and plays the classic final fantasy overture instead okay that's an interesting choice as well it does is it is it full midi like does it uh, do, 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 do? no <laughs> so it's a it's a, also a remaster of the song but it, it is pretty funny because there's like this implication in the game world that jack is the one that introduced that song to the world but it's like the most popular song in the world <laughs> okay so the game does go pretty meta and i mean obviously it does because it's doing a lot of uh what sounds to be actually pretty good fan service with uh the dungeons Right. Uh, rather than just delivering pointless references for no reason, it actually is giving the player something to explore that they recognize in a way, but with something new as well. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm quite happy with the fan service. I think they did a good job with it overall. I wish there was more monster designs, but I mean, you have all these jobs, you have the cool dungeons, you have the music, and you ha- have that like silly stuff like the Final Fantasy Overture being this important song in the world. But mm. then you also have like getting to fight a Tonberry and they'll just destroy you. They're terrifying monsters. <laughs> As they <laughs> always are. Right. But like actually getting to fight them in a full on action, it's combat system and have them like paralyze you and then just instant kill you. Really funny. Really good. Yeah. Stabby, stabby. They're really goofy. And then you use a um, soul burst. Is that what it's called? I can't even remember what it's called now. Soul break. Soul burst, I think, is when you break... Um, lower the enemy's break gauge to zero and Mm -hmm. you basically get to perform a finishing move on them and it jack basically explodes them into crystals but when you're doing it on like a cute little cactuar and he like tosses it into the air and it shatters into a million pieces while making like goofy cactuar noises Hmm. peak comedy well the last thing i wanted to ask you about uh with this game and we've been kind of touching upon this um this goes along with the tone of the game obviously uh is the voice acting and the acting of the characters because (laughs) The game's tone in the trailers was pretty cringe, I think is the word. It was, there were parts of it which seemed a little bit campy, a little bit uh, very meta. Um, 
how does the voice acting and work in reality? Like how does, how do the characters actually work? Like the relationships, are they built? Are they just, are they paper thin? What, what happens there? So it's, it's so weird, man. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I get that say, impression. <laughs> so the voice acting is fine on its own. It's really the direction of the cutscenes and what the, how they're told to say things and like how the camera works that really brings the cheese to me. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some cheese in this game. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Entirely. But that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, for sure. Um, and I, th- I I, definitely felt something for Jack and his friends, and I felt like they felt something for each other. There's kind of this, like, all of his friends kind of almost, like, babysitting him throughout the game. Like, they're all, like, um, trying to help Jack out, and, like, they worry about him, and they care about him, and they're definitely, like helping him along a little, you know, which is like a cute dynamic and also really funny. <laughs> and yeah. and they have like, they have good banter and I enjoy all of that. The stories, it's, I've seen a lot of comments on how people think the story is incomprehensible, which I disagree with. I think it's completely comprehensible. I just think it's told in the strangest way. I think um, it's all there. It's just the pacing of when you get cutscenes, how far apart they are from each other, uh, how what actually happens in those cutscenes, how quickly they go, where the camera's looking and where the characters are looking, all that's just very strange. What strikes me about this game, uh, from what I've heard, from what you've told me, uh, and from what I've read online, uh, unlike this is not a bad game. Like it, you gave it a great score. You gave it, gave it an 87. You loved it. Um, yeah. And it's gotten some pretty good reviews across the board, generally uh, between, you know, in the, in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a bad game. It seems like it is the exact game they wanted to make. Like it seems like the developers set out for a very specific tone, telling the story in a very specific way. And boy, oh boy, did they ever achieve that. Right. I I 100% agree. I think it's uh, a game that is very sincere, despite how cheesy and ridiculous and meta it is. It is very sincere and is what it wants to be. And I hope we get a sequel. Well, actually, that's uh, I'm going to be touching on that in the in our discussion question today later on. I'm really glad you enjoyed this, and I'm really, really glad that it did not turn out to be the dumpster fire that many people <laughs> thought it was going to be. Because, I mean, I think the game, I think the world could use more cheesy games. I think, especially games with intriguing job systems and good combat and and characters who are unbelievably just single-minded in their pursuit of their goal. Oh, totally. I mean, it's also another example of something I love about Modern Day Square Enix is that they're willing to do these mid-tier games that might not have all the budget in the world, but the developers are obviously passionate about them and Mm. we get something just unique out of it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am kind of excited for the inevitable supercut that's going to appear on YouTube with just Jack saying chaos that's like 10 minutes long. (laughs) Because I assume that he says chaos a lot more than we see him just in the trailers. Oh yeah, he says chaos a lot. Um, and everyone else does too. It's not just him. So there's a lot of chaos. It's important to realize that it's not just Jack that wants to kill chaos. It's all of your party members. No, everyone wants to kill chaos. Right. Yes, that 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 just stands to reason. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much for uh, coming on and talking about the game. Really happy to hear it's not bad. I'm really happy to hear it's actually quite good. Um, even though it is, it does sound like it's fairly linear, which that that's a bit of a shame to me. But maybe the sequel won't be. Yeah, I mean, I, I there there is multiplayer in this game, and there is a post game where the multiplayer could really come into play. So it's even though it's very linear, there is a you you could play it for quite a while. I think. Okay. Huh. Well, 
this is not the only uh, fairly large-scale Square Enix game that has been released recently uh, that everyone was waiting for. Uh, another one that came out, which is in a completely uh, completely different genre, looks completely different, and very, very uh, is as far away from linear as you can get in terms of player choice, and that is Triangle Strategy. Uh, and Nikki is playing through this for us. Uh, Nikki, you uh, you know what triangles are, right? They are um, geometric shapes with three sides and three angles. Exactly, yes. And uh, there are three paths, as I understand it, in triangle strategy, right? I. That's a great question. There may be more. There are three kingdoms and there are three big uh mineral things that everyone fights over and um that yeah three the number three if there's one thing i've learned about this developer it's that their titles are extremely uh uh they're right there in the title like octopath traveler is eight traveling paths and in this game it's three strategies essentially is what i think they're trying to go for now when this game was announced uh first off it is a uh it's a Square Enix game, and it, it, people looked at it and they thought, wait a second, this looks an awful lot like Final Fantasy Tactics uh, because it's HD 2D, uh, very much like Octopath Traveler and certain sections of Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. Um, but it turns out, from what it sounds like, it's not quite like Final Fantasy Tactics. It's it's something very much its own, while still being a strategy RPG. Yeah, um, I played Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, and I remember some things about it i think more games should start with snowball fights that was a thing that did happen yes i remember that there was see now here's the thing when i think of strategy rpgs my first instinct is to always think of fire emblem but Mm. this game isn't like fire emblem because this game has elevation and unit direction which is not a thing in fire emblem which is mm-hmm. pretty interesting. This game is interesting to me for several reasons. Uh, one of which being, it really does take HD 2D in a different direction. Whereas prior games looked like this is this is going to sound weird. It, well, other games look like Super Nintendo games come to life uh, with 3D elements and and depth. This one actually does take place in a uh, in a PlayStation era style of 3D. Uh, a 3d world um and then it uses the hd 2d look for character sprites and obviously uh the design of this world uh how does the game look like it i mean if you love this style i imagine it's a looker oh you know now that you say it i guess it is kind of like um it's like the opposite of bravely default right because bravely default was like the the 2d background and then the 3d chibi models Mm -hmm. but yeah in this game the environments are three-dimensional and your uh, characters are 2d sprites and there it is a nice looking game um it can take some getting used to some uh things so far i feel like uh, it looks really good some things could use maybe a little more contrast but like it is still very uh visually cohesive it is a nice looking game i honestly wish they used the uh the um character artwork every character has like their own like 2d illustration Uh but if you want to see that you have to like 
press a button to bring it up and it pauses the whole game. So you don't actually see the sprites talking the way you would in other like similar games. Mm -hmm. And I wish they would show them off more because they're really nice. Yeah, it looks like an awful lot of uh, effort went into this to to evoke a certain era uh, of strategy and just RPGs in general while still maintaining its modern day uh, stylings and interpretation. I mean, obviously, that's what that's that's literally the selling point of HD 2D. It's high definition two dimensions. Yeah. Um. Let's let me ask you about the reason why I, I my intro to this section was talking about um, uh, as opposed to Final Fantasy Origin, uh, which is very very linear. Player choice is a massive part of this game uh, to the point where there are apparently several different endings of this game that you can get to depending on the choices that you make throughout. It sounds like it's a you know there's it's a mature story with uh, tons of politics. Um, how have you found the uh, the element of player choice uh, plays into the game thus far? I like it. I like how often you are given choices. Like you may be um, so the game is kind of split up into like the strategy part where you're like on the grid and like telling your guy to go over there and like do something over there. But you can also like explore the towns and whatever locales you're in and you can talk to people and they'll be like, what do you think about this? And you get, you know, these options, which will change, um, you know, which will kind of lean you in one direction over the other and what's really interesting is sometimes you won't have all the options if you didn't talk to other people beforehand. Like maybe you you don't know about like that suspicious, you know, archer man because you didn't talk to some other character, you know, a, a few sections ago. So you're going to talk to somebody else and only have two options instead of three. So even in these like small interactions, they build up very like quickly. You actually like see your choices like having an effect rather quickly. And it's just like a lot. It's because I know that they made a big deal about the scales of conviction, which is like a, a large scale kind of like decision making process. But like even during just the going around town parts, You'll just like talk to somebody and they'll be like, what do you think about the salt, young man? And then you have to like say something. And because you're, you know, like the new lord of the house or whatever, that what you say bears a lot of weight and it affects how like what you do and how people perceive you, which it all matters. So that's pretty uh, I like I like how obviously the choices matter. I've played a lot of games where they give you like the illusion of choice mm-hmm. where like it'll be like here are two options and then like the dialogue in response doesn't even change like why give me those options then but like everything builds up pretty obviously in this game with your choices which I like so there's some actual role playing in this yeah yeah there were definitely and what I like too is that the options aren't like they're not like um how do i explain this so like there was one where it's just this little kid 
And the kid was like, my mom told me not to go too far while I'm playing. And it's because this group of people are uh, heavily discriminated against. And if they like leave this area, the the Byzantine Empire is going to like uh, take them back and like execute them or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so you ha- you get these three options where it's like, I'm going to work so that in the future you'll be able to like, you'll be free to go out further. Or you have another option to say like, your mom is just worried about you. You should, you know, consider, you know, what she's saying. She's just worried about your safety. And it's like, they don't give you like, this is the good guy option and this is the bad guy option. They're like all, they all have their pros and cons. It's not just like a blatantly, wow, these are the bad guys. There are like so far uh, Mm -hmm. at the point I'm in, there are no obvious, like, you're completely bad, unjustifiable. So far, no one's like that. There are definitely characters that I greatly dislike, but they still have something going on that is like, dang, though, I can see that you're not, like, just completely bad. And I like that. It makes your choice, it makes it really difficult to make choices Mm -hmm. when I play these kinds of games, especially the first time I just pick whatever I would pick. I don't like make any sort of like attempts to, you know, get a guide or do any particular route. If I'm swayed towards one thing or another, it's because a character, you know, really managed to sway me in the game or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've been like that one. It's just a little kid complaining that he can't go out and play And I was like stuck for a few minutes. Like, how do I respond to this little kid? Because, you know, with the the weight of like the situation that they're in and considering that like all of these options have like a real pro and a con and there's no one obviously right answer, it's difficult to make the choices even when it's something like that. And it's like, wow, you wouldn't expect tiny little child going out to play to give you one of these like existential crises but here we are well aside from the character choice i, I wanted to ask about uh about the uh, the combat in this game so is it is it pretty basic strategy rpg combat or does it have its own twist um again i'm so used to uh games like fire emblem where they split up um the and it's been like a million years since I've played Tactics Advance. Mm. Um, so I don't remember how they do it either. But like um, Triangle Strategy, it's not um, it's not split into phases. So um, your characters have a speed. And instead of determining if your character like doubles, what speed does is determine turn order. So, um, so it is a turn-based RPG. Yeah. So, like, if you're like, oh, this would be so cool, I'm gonna make my character move here and, like, attack, but then you're like, oh, but, um, you know, Frederica, she's, like, the the fire mage you get, and she's uh, marrying the main character, Um, but since she's a mage, you know, she's, you know... She doesn't have as much defense. Maybe you want to move her out and do like a really cool combo against like four enemies at once. But 
all those four enemies are going to move next. So if you put her too close, they're all going to attack her. And that's no good. So you have to like consider who's moving next and not just like, it's not like the turn-based games or the phase-based games rather, yeah. where it's like, oh, I'm going to move my healer up and then block them, use somebody else's like a meat shield so they can't reach. You can't necessarily do that if if the speed stat doesn't allow you. Okay, that's interesting. So it completely changes the way you'd approach a strategy RPG, especially uh, with a grid-based mechanic like this. Right, yeah. You really have to consider, like, who's moving next. Mm, interesting. Do you have any indication of whose turn is it next? Like, is there a meter on the top of the screen? Or... On the bottom, yeah. It'll show you. Um, it's literally just the, the portraits of the characters in the order that they're going. Okay, does that include you and your enemies? Yes. Huh, neat. Um, so there, it is, it, frankly speaking, it's not Final Fantasy Tactics then. It, it's using a much more almost traditional turn-based mechanic, uh, merged with a strategy RPG, uh, style, um, which is a, a nice touch. I like that. Um, because this game, from everything I've read and everything I'm hearing, this game isn't Final Fantasy Tactics. It's not. It, it's reminiscent of it. It looks vaguely like it. It's, it's like Final Fantasy Tactics in the same way that Octopath Traveler is a little bit like a saga game. It's its own interpretation of the ideas and core mechanics of that title, uh, but giving in, the developers are giving it their own spin, and obviously uh, that with uh, the graphics as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, again, I don't know how uh, completely accurate this is because I only watched my friend play some of it, but um, right before the Nintendo Direct that announced triangle strategy which was like a few like a year project, or so now project triangle strategy yeah pro i'm sorry yeah back when it was the project and not just the triangle um i put my friends and i like to do make our own silly like nintendo direct bingos <laughs> and i was like I put um, a Tactics Ogre sequel on Switch, and then they showed that, and I'm like, oh my god, we did it. Here it is, because it, oh, it no. gave me Tactics Ogre feels more, like, immediately that's what I thought of. Like, the yeah. way it looks, that, like, kind of emphasis on, like, the cruelties of war and stuff, and I'm like, we did it. We got it. We, we got one bingo. Yeah. So that's what I keep thinking too because like i said i i only played advanced for final fantasy tactics so i i don't have as much uh like of a comparison point there but i'm mm. like this this look like other game that's it yeah yeah uh how's the music and the uh the voice acting i think this game is voice acting right this yeah there is voice acting um the voices are fine I think there is a bit of a direction problem. Seems to be a recurring uh, recurring problem with Square Enix games, apparently. Yeah, like, in at least for the English voices, it just sometimes sounds like they're not really inflecting the way that you would in the situation at hand or in response to what it is that they're saying. Huh. Which I think is a shame, because I think the voices themselves are really good. There's one character, uh, what's his face? The rat who loves his cheese. What's his name? Dragon. Uh, he has a really cool voice for his character, and I think he does like the drunk scenes really well. But then sometimes it's just kind of like, okay, did you mean to say it that way? Uh, 
the main character, Sarah Noah, has like a really cute voice, which I like. I think it's really endearing. But mm-hmm. oh, sometimes it's just like, do you mean to say it that way? Like, are you sure? You know, mm-hmm. which I think is a bit of a shame, um, mainly because the font is way too small. I can barely read uh... it even with my glasses on. So I kind of would like the uh, voice acting to have been maybe with a, a little stronger direction. It's interesting you mentioned the text size because I know the text size because I know that uh, there was some criticism going into this about other accessibility issues, including for those who are colorblind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of our own writers pointed out that the, the colors are still kind of like rough in terms of uh, their contrast, but they added... So the big problem was in battle, the way that you you don't see um, the enemy movement range in its entirety. What you do is when you select your character, you see your character's movement range. And then if it's a blue square, no one can reach you. If it's a purple square, that means that an enemy can hit you. But blue mm. and purple are close together on the color wheel. So um, what they did in the final game is they put like a, like a X symbol on the purple squares. So there's a, a more obvious visual indicator that that's a danger square. Okay. I think to me, um, I'm not colorblind, but I noticed in the demo, like, oh my gosh, it was very difficult to tell the blue and purple apart depending on like what environment the tile was on mm-hmm. because it's not just solid. It's like opaque. Um, but uh, I feel like the blue and purple are a little like higher contrast between them in the final game, but it's still, it can be like pretty tough. Incidentally, I'll include the link to the article um, in the show notes. It was uh, last year. It was actually, it really was last year. It was March 3rd of last year. Wes wrote the article, uh, Project Triangle yeah. Strategies, Invisible Feature and the Trials of Gaming Well Colorblind, which I thought was a super interesting article at the time because it is one of those, it's one of those things that doesn't affect, you know, I'm not colorblind, um, but many many people are so that's something you have to keep in mind yeah and for me i mean i don't know how much uh we want to get into this but um a friend of mine a good friend of mine uh when i shared with him my review for uh pokemon legends arceus Mm -hmm. he thought that my uh score of 90 for the graphics was really generous (laughs) and you know i i gave it that kind of a score because even I need glasses to see even a foot in front of me but even on like handheld mode with my switch propped up about two feet in front of me so I can use my pro controller I could see everything I needed to see it was very clear but like I have my switch open right now to my favorite screenshot of Dragan who has visions of this cheese in his sleep. He loves cheese. I can't read what it says, you know? Like, Mm. I need my glasses and the switch to be close to me. The text is so small. It's it's a serif font and small. I I can't read what it says. And this is a dialogue-heavy game. This is a very... Oh, it's story-heavy, yeah. This is like... In the demo, like the recent demo that you can transfer your save over, I think there's more story than actual gameplay. That's what I've heard about this game is it does start out slow if you're looking for some action. I think it's fine for people who like that, but it means like you need to Mm. have the text a little bigger 
you know? That's a, that's really disappointing. And I, I actually, I wouldn't mind addressing real quick uh, what you said about uh, the graphics for uh, uh, Pokemon, because it's important to remember that the word is graphics, but what we're rating there is also presentation. Uh, and presentation is a number of things. Sometimes it's not just uh, graphic fidelity. Sometimes it is uh, character design, world design. Uh, sometimes it is things like accessibility and ease of play and the way that the UI uh, is implemented in a way that makes it enjoyable. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind when you see the word graphics. Oftentimes it does mean more than just uh, just the pretty the pretty pixels. Yeah, that's that's why I, I did that for for Legends Arceus. I just think it's very clear the you can read all the text. You can see the Pokemon. You can see the the items that you can pick up. Um, and I think that's the most important thing in that game because that's what the game centers around is mm-hmm. picking up items and then catching Pokemon. Um, but for a game like this, like a triangle strategy where it's so story heavy, you know, I don't want to have to like hold the system right up to my face to be able to see the story Especially when so far, it's really good. Yeah, I've heard the story is exceptional in this game. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I don't even like small children most of the time. And you've got me feeling for this poor little boy who can't go out and play on climb on the tree. That's already no. really impressive. And this guy just, he loves his cheese. Oh my God. This guy <laughs> just loves cheese so much. How can, I mean, oh my gosh. I, I appreciate that. And it'd be nice if you could, you could read how much he enjoys the cheese. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, cheese aside, um, I like it. <laughs> Sorry. I like that uh, Stranger at Paradise, it's cheesy, but this game has the cheese. Yeah. You see, it's all connected. <laughs> um. Well, I'm going to thank you very much, Nikki, for uh, for uh, talking to us about Triangle Strategy. Uh, this is a game that's been on my radar because, I mean, I had mixed feelings about Octopath Traveler, but one thing I did not have mixed feelings about was how it looked and uh, the level of presentation that went into it. And this game looks like it has a similar level. And if, if you do love games like Tactics Ogre or Final Fantasy Tactics or, heck, just generally RPGs that looked like this back in the day... You'd probably like this game. Yes, I will Um, say that. But both of these games took place in a very uh, fantasy-based world. But let's move on now. Let's move into the far future and from traditional fantasy worlds to a futuristic world filled with mechs. Um, A game is coming out uh, very, very soon. The uh, embargo has passed, so we can talk about it now. Uh, And that is a game called Relayer. and Des, you were reviewing uh, Relayer for us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this game? Yeah, um, Relayer is a tactical RPG, so kind of like uh, Triangle Strategy, Final Fantasy Tactics, or some people call them strategy RPGs. Uh, it's RPGs. Yeah, it's by the guys who made uh, God Wars, Katakawa games. Um, I don't know if any of here have ever played it. I own it, but I've never played it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very sci-fi RPG that's very very heavy on story it's almost like 60 to 70 percent visual novel and like you know 30 to 40 percent strategy rpg okay so if you are into visual novels then this might be nikki um this might be a strategy rpg that you could get into wow that sounds great so far so what is about what's it about uh like i said it's it's very anime but um like in the pre-show uh you're mentioning you like quantum physics 
so it kind of plays with a lot of high concept ideas of like you know dark energy gravity dark matter the you kind of stuff you see in anime sci-fi shows all the time mm-hmm. um essentially it's about two forces so you have like the relayers the what the whole game is named after for some reason uh they're essentially the physical embodiment of dark energy which is trying to tear the universe apart and then you have gravity which isn't really a player in the story but you have like all the celestial bodies like stars and planets and moons and stuff like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) what those do is every celestial body has like a will or kind of like a spirit or a soul Mm -hmm. and those kind of pass into a host essentially a human so the whole game is about these hosts for the stars which are called star children uh going against the relayers and the whole point is that much like how in our universe dark energy is essentially going to tear everything apart eventually eventually maybe within the next couple years or so (laughs) the Uh, way things are going (laughs) yeah i wouldn't be surprised uh Essentially, they want to, the relayers acting as dark energy, want to tear the universe apart because they believe it's going to elevate it to the next dimension. What their logic or reasoning behind that is, I have no idea yet. Uh, They're kind of cryptic, kind of vague, like what you would expect from most uh, JRPG villains. Hmm. But the star children are kind of like, if you subscribe to the idea that like we humans are the universe looking back on itself, like something created to observe itself. So because it's kind of you know observing itself it wants to keep it going so that's kind of the whole struggle is between like keeping the universe as it is or destroying the whole thing and starting over elevating i'm not entirely sure yet okay cool um you mentioned it's an srpg so it obviously uh, is a strategy what for frame of reference uh what kind of strategy rpg would you say this is most like uh i would probably say it's most like the Super Robot Wars games, if you've seen Neil's review of that recently. Yeah, I, I talked to Neil on uh, Random a few weeks ago about that. Yeah, so essentially, and also like Triangle Strategy, you have your units that can move on a grid. They can move a certain number of spaces, attack a certain number of spaces. Uh, the interesting thing about this, though, is, and this is a lot of stuff I didn't even know was in the game until I started it up, but it has an MMO kind of system to it so there's roles so like in mmos like in final fantasy 14 you have your tanks who are defensive take damage uh they take hate or aggro or enmity depending on the the game that you're playing there's your dps which is split into your melee and your your ranged and then you have like your support and healers the interesting part is that tanks can counter tanks dps dps scouts or healers and healers so you kind of got to be aware of who you're fighting and what you're fighting so you might want to send you know your ranged people to take out a melee for example so it's it's kind of basic but it's also kind of a little more advanced than i expected some people would say tried and true yeah the holy trinity except for i guess it's a holy quartet holy quartet um yeah okay um i took a look at some of the screenshots of the game the game looks great i mean it does look like anime obviously because you know we if that's sort of where, where it's coming from. Uh, but the designs look fantastic. The mechs look really, really cool. Yeah, the uh, the art, the 2D character art, I would say is probably some of my favorite character designs in the past, I'd probably say like five years. Um, everyone has got a like a particular uniform and every single character in the game has this like oversized coat. And so everyone's very fashionable with like a tie and a coat. Um, and... What's also really interesting about that is you get so little fan service for any of the characters, which is great because, you know, everyone just looks like 
they belong in a paramilitary unit with like a, a giant sport coat on. So there's nobody there who is like dressed in like a skimpy outfit for no apparent reason. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get some people with their coat hanging off their shoulder, but that's about the majority of what you're going to get. So uh, thankfully, there's really no fan service in the game. Uh, all the fan service actually goes towards the mechs. So you get these really cool looking sharp Gundam kind of rejects. Um <laughs> And sounds like such a great insult, you Gundam rejects. <laughs> yeah, you Gundam rejects. They even have uh, bits or funnels. Like if you remember in Gundam, those kind of uh, little floating robot kind of gun things. Uh, and so the the character art looks really great. The I would say the worst part about and the whole game's presentation is that when you're in battle, all of the battle maps are very flat. So it's kind of like Fire okay. Emblem. Uh, some of the earlier ones. So not like triangle strategy with like its different elevations and things like that. Right. Uh, but I guess one of the, I guess what makes up for it is that when you do attack with your uh, characters is the mechs are zipping all over the place so that it looks like a scene from an anime. Like they're all up and down on the X, Y, and Z axis, dodging bullets, oh, um, just doing all these crazy combos and things like that. So when someone asked me, is there any height? Like, does height matter? It's like, well, not really. Um, the mechs are going to be zipping all over the place anyways. But unfortunately, it is very flat and very noticeable. So it kind of looks like a generation or two behind in terms of just like how the fields look. But you did mention that like the character designs and certainly the 2D art uh, looks so good uh, that it doesn't... that it almost makes up for it, especially considering that a great deal of the game is basically a visual novel. Right. And the on the battlefield, you do see like the background. So you might be in space or you might be on an ice planet or a desert planet. So you do get a lot of kind of visual flair in the background. And then all of the zipping around and particle effects and explosions and stuff in the actual battles. Um, those look really nice, but when you're staring at the grid, it looks very flat. Um, but if you're a fan of Super Robot Wars, you're kind of used to that, where you have a very <laughs> kind of basic looking map. But once you get into combat, it's just, you know, pure fan service of like throwing swords and counter sniping and all sorts of things like that. When I was looking at some of the stuff from the game and some of the things released by the studio, uh, something they mentioned which caught my attention I guess this really makes sense because it's about mechs is the uh, level of character customization and the number of different characters that you can, I guess, recruit in this game. Uh, have you run into many characters yet? Are you like, have you customized your mechs? Like what's the system like there? So like I was mentioning earlier, there's the role system where you have like tanks, DPS and support or healer. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those has a job system with it. So kind of like, uh, stranger paradise you have getting a lot of jobs. crossovers between the three games today without <laughs> really meeting it aren't we yeah um so your tank for example when you master their kind of their novice one so tanks start off as like knights you would have a choice between like a paladin or um a guardian um i don't remember the other branch but you essentially get faced with a choice where it tells you hey this is your intermediate job this is your end job and this is what it's going to do. The kind of downside is that when you get presented with that choice, it can lead to like some choice paralysis. So when I got the, when I completed the first, um, I guess we'll talk about the, the way that you progress your characters too. There's essentially a sphere grid for every job. Mm -hmm. And so once you complete it, then you can move to the next one. But they kind of just throw it at you and say, hey, do you want to be a paladin or do you want to be a, I think it's called like a vanguard or a breaker or something like that. And you only have two sentences of explanation to tell you what that is. So thankfully, you can just kind of sit on the choice for a little while and keep continuing to get uh, job points or JP mm -hmm. like in uh, 
like in Stranger of Paradise. Uh, nothing's really needed, at least where I'm at. You don't need those intermediate classes yet, but once you do start to get those abilities, it definitely helps. And uh, what about the characters? It sounds like there's a lot of characters in this game. Yeah, so the characters, the story revolves around two primary characters, uh, and their names are kind of on the nose, but there's Terra, who has the will of the Earth, or Terra, and then Luna, who has the will of the moon. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that these characters adopt their names after like the will awakens in them. Okay. Uh, but they're sisters, and in the beginning of the game, Terra has amnesia, which is a very standard JRPG trope. Are you kidding me? A character, a woman named Terra with amnesia? That's right? never seen before. I've never heard of it. Um, so she has amnesia, but as the story Does goes Does a along, treasure hunter rescue her? Uh, no, it's actually a very, uh, I was trying to think of a nice way to put it, but a very sarcastic robot who is constantly roasting her for everything she does. He calls her adult. He shares her embarrassing secrets to the rest of the party. And <laughs> it's kind of like if Alfred, um, if part of his, Alfred from Batman, if, if part of his daily routine was, you know, making fun of Batman to his friends, uh, that's kind of how it comes across like, oh, Master Wayne lost his underpants and had to go running through the streets looking for them. Well, that's what happens when you wear your underpants over top of your tights. Right? Like, especially if you're fighting crime, like, accidents are bound to happen. No, you, you wear them under the tights so you don't lose your underpants. This is this is superheroing 101, Batman. <laughs> and so um, the story is about the two sisters, essentially. And so that plot is going at the same time that the whole Star Children and Relayers thing is going on. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. I'm just imagining. Sorry, I'm just imagining Alfred having this whole tell, like this sassy telephone tree with a bunch of his friends in England. <laughs> He's just <laughs> roasting Batman every single night. Oh, you won't believe what the master's done this time. Right, and it's essentially like that. So imagine if he was talking to Catwoman or Selena Kyle and just leaking all of these embarrassing secrets. And he's like, "Oh, I have video of the master tripping and falling on his face." <laughs> just Bruce walks in. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Nothing. <Yeah. laughs> and so the robot is one of my favorite characters. He is uh, very sarcastic, but he's also like he really cares about the main character. It's more of a he doesn't really have tact or understand social situations. So, of course, he's going to blurt out mm. uh, the time that, you know, Tara got lost in the woods and had to eat grass for a week or monkeys stole her clothes and she had to chase after them with a stick and and things like that uh so there is some levity in the story but the story does get pretty dark um it touches a lot on like the ethics and morality of like human experimentation like should they be experimenting on a person if it'll save ten thousand other people like that okay. kind of thing good old trolley problem right but it also has the thing of luna wants to murder tara like she is essentially the jack chaos of this game where she completely just wants to kill her sister huh. you have no idea why for a good like two hours and then it just slowly unfolds so you eventually learn like and i'm not going to spoil it very much but you kind of learn that your character tara was not necessarily a good person prior to her amnesia so it's been really interesting how they dig into amnesia and how it affects people around the person with amnesia. Okay, interesting. Um, I like I like stories that actually kind of do that, where it's revealed that you are not a paragon of human virtue. You back in the day, you were kind of a jerk. Yeah, and it it definitely goes into that. And for a while, I was thinking maybe this is kind of like a false memory thing, where oh, 
you know, Luna is just overreacting to something and then they do go into it and they're like, you know, she was not a good person. Um, but they do also kind of redeem her a little bit. Um, I won't spoil any of that, but it's been really interesting to have like a hero character who is not good at what they do. Uh, their best friend constantly makes fun of them and they're also just kind of a jerk in the past, but now they're, you know, completely different. So hmm. it's got a really interesting take on those kind of concepts. Well, it sounds like it's a pretty fun strategy RPG, especially if you like visual novels. Yeah, the the story's very it's told in the visual novel style. So you have your characters on screen. There's you never really see them in 3D. Uh-huh. Um it's always just kind of, you know, one portrait talking to another and just text upon text upon text. It is all voice acted. Uh, I will say that the English voices are not great. So some characters are better than others, but like the problem that Nikki found in uh, Triangle Strategy is that they're just not directed well. So the English version of Terra sounds like a very, she's very quiet and I wonder if it's a mixing issue, but she just doesn't have any emotion to her. So when I swapped it over to the Japanese voices, it was like a night and day difference. It was like a professional voice actress versus like a a novice um, who doesn't really care about the role. It was kind of jarring to see just how much better the Japanese one is. Uh Um, So I would say about four hours in, I kind of got tired of everybody and just swapped it over to Japanese. And it's been great since. That's how I play Yakuza. So I can't deny, I can't say that that's the wrong choice. Yeah, that's how I play it too. Yeah. The English voice acting is fine, but there's a certain level of authenticity that comes with the Japanese voice acting, even if I don't understand what they say. <laughs> as, as long as you can't tell if it sounds bad, then you should be good. Have you had the same thing that I do when you play a game with Japanese voice acting and you, you listen to it and you're listening to it like constantly and you know, you're reading the subtitles at the bottom of the screen and then you turn to do something and you're still listening and then your brain is like, wait a minute, I don't understand Japanese. I've had that a few times where I will be playing this game and since there's so much text and thankfully you can put it on autoplay Mm -hmm. where I'll look away for a second and the next paragraph will start playing um, Mm -hmm. because I've already read the text faster than the the voice can go. And then I'll have that same thing where I'm like, wait a second, I don't know what they're saying. And then I'll have to look back and double check. Um, So I I do kind of get that. um, And your brain is just in the background, like nodding along going, "Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm following everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I totally get what's happening. Uh, well, anyway, um, I want to thank you very much for playing this game. I look forward to reading your review on it in a couple of days. Um, and this was Relayers. So, yeah, the games we covered today were right across the spectrum of uh, of uh, locations and settings and, and RPG genres. So we had an action RPG. We had a surprisingly turn-based strategy RPG. And we had a strategy RPG set in space. Um, so to close out today's episode, I wanted to ask you a quick discussion question. Uh, there's no need for a lot of like deep thinking here. I, I'm kind of interested in your gut response to this. So uh, Stranger of Paradise is a basically a prequel to the original Final Fantasy. Now, if they released a Stranger of Paradise sequel that was set in a different world, would you like to see Square Enix follow that same idea for other games in the Final Fantasy series? And if so, which game would you like to see a like a villain-focused prequel on? And it has to be set in the Final Fantasy universe or just Square Enix in general? Death, let's, I was going to go for Final Fantasy, but we can go for Square Enix in general. Okay, I'll think. Yeah, X-Death. Show me the sexy tree man. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! That That's actually mine, too. We had a really great discussion about the nature of... Uh, 
the nature of X death being a tree on uh, the end, the episode of uh, retro on final fantasy five. And we were just like, wait a minute. He's just made a wood. That's the entire character. That's why we need a, the stranger of X death tree, final tree fantasy. We need a, uh, a character, Bill X death, who is a big fan of corn. Well, they had like the, uh, um, you go with, um, Bart's dad and the, werewolf boyfriend and Gallif, oh, yeah. right? Like, they had, like, a group. Yeah. There are the always prequel opportunities. Final Fantasy V minus one. I would actually think that's a, that's actually a great choice. The Final Fantasy V world, I feel, and story was always underdeveloped, and I feel like a prequel could flesh out everything that happened beforehand. That's a great idea. Yeah, Final Fantasy V. Good choice for a Stranger of Paradise sequel. <laughs> and um, we would actually get the dancer. Yes, we would. Someone could be wearing that high-collared shirt. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if there's a new Stranger of Paradise, dancer is the first thing they have to add. doesn't matter where it's set or anything. It's a good um, My favorite job in 14, too, so. <laughs> Izzy, which where would you like to... Uh, which which game would you like to see a Stranger of Paradise sequel for? Okay, so I, I had some thoughts going through my head here. A lot of them, I was like... We, we actually know that character well enough already. We don't need something like this for them. Or that character, just I can't see how they would ever, we could ever learn enough about them. Like, it would just not make sense. Um, so my first thought was actually outside of Final Fantasy, which was Magus from Chrono Trigger. But I think we do just know enough about him. But it would be cool to, like, play through his life as him just getting to destroy stuff in an action RPG. Yeah, <laughs> that would actually be really cool. And I w- it, it would be nice to see a little bit more of... Uh, 600 AD. Yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't be 600 AD. It'd be like 580 AD. <laughs> but I, I actually come up came up with a better one uh, because I think we do know enough about him. I think, and this is one that people have wanted anyways, is a prequel to Final Fantasy X where you play as Jack. Oh, yeah. He would be a perfect Jack. He is basically Jack. Yeah, and the, actually the aesthetic would fit really well with the aesthetic from Paradise, uh, uh, Stranger of Paradise as right, well. Right, No, that's a great idea. And then you get to have Aron as a par- party member and Yuna's dad. and yeah. No, I think that'd be a great idea. And God knows that Square Enix would love to dip back into the 10 world again. 10-3, where are you? 10 minus 1. <laughs> 10-2 is already the thing. So like 10 minus 1 would be very confusing. <laughs> and that's why it has to happen. You're right. That's my Yes, because God, God knows Square Enix likes to keep their names clean and basic, you know, simple. No problems at all. <sighs> Final Fantasy Project 10-1. I'm glad I got to talk before you, Des, because I knew you were going to say Final Fantasy 10. So, <laughs> Well, I actually have one in mind now, but uh, I think it would be funny if Square Enix did their normal thing, kind of like they did with Kingdom Hearts, how the, the X thing is key. So if they just went Final Fantasy key. <laughs> yes, that would be not no, confusing yes. at all. Yeah, just to, to be the Square Enix brand. Perfect. Um, so we have five, we have ten. Uh, what else? And Chrono Trigger. <laughs> and Chrono Trigger, yeah, and Chrono Trigger. Uh, so um, I guess I'll do a outside of Final Fantasy one. It would be really interesting to have uh, Pokemon, where you kind of do the whole like Pokemon Red and Blue, um, but where you kind of play it from Giovanni's mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, that would be really interesting. But my <laughs> actual answer would be uh, Ultimisia from Final Fantasy VIII, where you could kind of have a story about her trying to go through the eras of like getting Adia and Adele and Renoa. Um, it'd be really cool. It's like a, at least first thing that comes to mind would be like an action RPG, but you would have Griever mm-hmm. 
um, as like a stand or a mount or something like that. So it'd be really cool to kind of traverse time and space as Ultimecia to try to get to uh, Renoa. Um, so that would hmm. be my pick. That's a good one. Um, I think my pick, I'm, I'm uncertain about my pick because I like the idea of there being a Stranger of Paradise style game for Final Fantasy VI for uh, Kefka. Um, but I would really like to see, because when you think about when you think about the Empire before Final Fantasy VI, like you had some of your main characters in there. I would actually really like to see what was happening to Celis and Terra and Kefka and General Leo and like all of these people inside the Empire before the Empire started expanding and spreading out. I think that'd be a really interesting game and seeing these characters slowly become disillusioned with the their country, essentially. Um, Terra's yeah. always been a really interesting character to me because, you know, she has the... She has the slave crown on at the beginning of the game, and that gives her amnesia. And then she theoretically gets her memory back later. But we don't know anything about her between her current, who she is now, and, like, who she was when she was a baby. Like, she theoretically grew up as a ward of the Empire, but we don't know anything about her actual upbringing or who she is or why she became this person. We know nothing about that. Yeah, you basically just covered everything I wanted to say in response, because... Personally, I'm not a huge fan of Kefka as a villain. I think he's kind of flat. But your idea of doing that prequel from Kefka's point of view and getting to experience like Terra's backstory and stuff through that, that is really cool to me and something I would really like to see. Final Fantasy villains can be a bit of hit uh, hit and miss. Um, but I do think the idea that this is introduced of you know playing games that let you expand their stories a little bit and let you explore that's interesting to me so that might be something that they look at in the future if stranger of paradise is a big success and i hope it is yeah uh i have something completely out of left field to add to this Hit it. Uh, parasite eve prequel where you play as I, I don't think her name's eve like the the opera singer that becomes eve and it's mm-hmm. just a uh rhythm game <laughs> you're just an <laughs> opera singer but it happens to be a prequel to parasite eve there we go i'm so into that oh <laughs> that'd be amazing i think her name was melissa melissa i would be so into that yeah i'm down i'm down for a rhythm game um i'm always down for like a really good mm-hmm. rhythm game with a good story um, are you hearing the square Enix? <laughs> give us what we want <laughs> Um, well, thank you all very, very much for coming on this episode. I really appreciate it. And I am absolutely thrilled to hear that you enjoyed all of these games. It doesn't sound like there was a miss in the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. And, uh, yeah. So I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. So this was, this was an episode of Random Encounter and we have many more. Uh, last week we did the, uh, final three games in the Pixel Remaster series. So it's been a lot of Final Fantasy lately, but that's okay because there's always more Final Fantasy. Speaking of that, Guess what's happening next week on Rhythm Encounter? We're going to be looking at the music of Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. So these games obviously got graphic remasters. They got music remasters, uh, reorchestrated from the ground up. Just absolutely gorgeous soundtracks. I believe they are now available uh, to be sold on Square Enix's website. So that's something to look into if you are a fan of the music. Uh, so we're going to be taking a look at that music uh, next week on Rhythm Encounter. Uh, there was just an episode of uh, Rhythm Encounter focusing on the works of Kumi Tanioka. Uh, that was awesome. Um, on Retro Encounter with Mr. Mike Solosi, we're going to be continuing Metroidvania March. Uh, we just posted an episode of uh, focusing on Super Metroid. I was on that episode. It was weird talking about an actual Metroid game on an episode of... Uh, retro encounter with rpg fan but we figured you know what i mean it's the first part of metroidvania so if we're going to explore the series exploring the 
the very heart of the series, where it all started, was important. And it was a super fun episode. Uh, and we also have an episode uh, focusing on the indie Metroidvania Salt and Sanctuary coming up very soon. And I have some thoughts about that game that I'm not going to spoil on here, but um, oh, I have some thoughts on that game. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random Encounter, you can fire us off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. Uh, I would love to hear from you if you have any ideas for like future episode themes or uh, discussion questions are always welcome. If you have an idea for a discussion question and want to throw it at us, hit me. Um, so yeah, just fire me off a message to that email address, podcastrpgfan.com. If you have something for me specifically, you can find me at jlogan at rpgfan.com or you can find me on Twitter at jono underscore logan. Now, I'm not the only person online on this podcast. We have some others. So, Izzy, where can we find you online? Uh, I mean, you can find me at RPG Fan. Otherwise, I'm pretty much a ghost online. So, <laughs> that is not a bad thing, to be completely honest. Smart. <laughs> uh, Des, where can we find you online? Uh, for the sake of my mental health, I also try to not be on Twitter or anything like that. Um, but, however, I am in the RPG Fan Discord. Um, so if you see me there and you want to say something, feel free to just right-click my name, message, um, and uh, I'll try and get back to you as soon as possible. And Nikki, where can we find you online? I'm at the twitter.com at otome underscore Nikki. That's N-I-K-I. Only one K. If there were two, that would be a diary. I'm not a diary. I'm Nikki. Makes me so happy. Um, now, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Help us get the word out there. Please rate us on iTunes, your other podcast players of choice. Thank you very much for listening this week. Thank you, everyone on this podcast for being here. And uh, whatever you're playing, have fun. <laughs>